Hello and welcome to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. We're so pleased to have you join us for the program. We're for God. We're for our community. We're for family. We are for those things. But when you take a stand for something, it necessarily means you're automatically taking a stand against something else. Have you ever noticed that someone in a position of spiritual authority has become hardened towards the things of God? Sadly, it happens. It happened to the priests and the elders that the prophet Jeremiah was ministering to and the result was a plot to kill him. What's Jesus' response? Well, Jesus tells us to bless them. Whoa, now that's a big call, isn't it? Let's join Dr. Corbett in Jeremiah chapter 18 to explore the plot against Jeremiah. Holy Spirit, I yield myself to you. I pray that you'll break me, mould me, Shape me, train me, discipline me, and help me to become the man of God that you want me to be. Lord, I lay my life down before you for the sake of Christ and the cause of your church. And I pray right now that as we open your word, you'll speak right into the hearts, minds, and souls of your people. In Jesus' name, amen. We're picking this up from Jeremiah chapter 18 and we're going to be in verse 18. And we're going to see uh, again at the, the last part of this and I don't want to labour on the last part of this because it is Jeremiah's imprecatory prayer. We're in a whole section here from uh, chapter 12 or so where Jeremiah is complaining. This is the plot against Jeremiah. We're looking from verses 18 down to verse 23. So we're up to, you might be interested to know, part 49 now of a 200-part series in Jeremiah. And if you're not depressed now, well, it's only a matter of time. So as we keep going through the Word of God, I, I, I just hope that you recognise my heart in this. We can't go, look, we're not going to deal with that. No, let's not deal with that. Let's not deal with that. Let's just hang around John 3.16, shall we? In other words, if we, just, if we keep avoiding the things we don't like, we're not really being faithful to the text. All right, here we are in verse 18. Here we have Jeremiah, who has just been interrupted by God in the middle of his complaining. God has taken him down to the potter's house and said to Jeremiah as to the nation, I'm the potter, you're the clay, I... I can mould you and do with you however I want. And now Jeremiah, almost kind of not even getting it, now, now registers here in verse 18 the complaint that others are making against him. In fact, this is what we would call the plot, the plot against Jeremiah. Then they said, you'll see who the they are. I think there's three categories of people here that, that, that fulfill the they. Come, let us make plots against Jeremiah. For the law shall not perish from the priest, nor counsel from the wise, nor the word from the prophet. Come, let us strike him with the tongue, and let us not pay attention to any of his words. Did you see the three categories of people who were plotting against Jeremiah? They are the three categories of people that he's been targeting in, in one sense, the, these are the people that were responsible for informing Israel. The, these are the people that were responsible 
for leading Israel, not just spiritually, but physically, generally, materially, leading Israel. And these are the people that Jeremiah has said, you are supposed to do this on behalf of God. You're supposed to do this with a heart for God, but you haven't. And now they've said, that's it, we've had enough. He said that the law is not coming from the priests, that counsel is not coming from the wise, and that the word of the Lord is not coming from their appointed prophets. So these are the three categories. Priests, spiritual counsellors, and prophets. It's just because someone has a title doesn't mean they have authority. Just because someone's been to Bible college, again, doesn't make them necessarily qualified. And Jeremiah is addressing these people. And so it, it kind of highlights the point because you would expect of all the people in society to at least have an openness to God, you would expect it to be the priests. You would expect it to be the, the, the spiritual counsellors in a society. You would expect it to be those that claimed to be prophets, but they'd hardened their hearts to God. They'd hardened their hearts. It just shows that it's possible that even though you have a duty, you could end up doing your duty dutifully, not heartfelt. I don't want to serve God like that. I don't want to serve God just sheerly out of duty. I don't want that. These spiritual leaders, they had become hard to the things of God. They had become corrupt. And Jeremiah has just spent those first 18 and a half chapters pleading with these people to repent and to turn away from this kind of lifestyle. What was their response to Jeremiah? Because if, we, if you read down in uh, verse 20, should good be repaid with evil, asks Jeremiah, yet they have dug a pit for my life. Remember how I stood before you to speak good for them? So here's Jeremiah saying, God, they are attacking me, they're against me, and I've done nothing but tried to help them. Now I know that there's a whole push, and as I mentioned before, as I wanted you to hear my heart, that there's a whole push that says, preachers today, don't get negative. There's so much negative. Don't preach against things. Preach for things. And I really want you to hear what we're for. We're for God. We're for our community. We're for family. We are for those things. But when you take a stand for something, it necessarily means you're automatically taking a stand against something else. If I'm for Jesus Christ being the only way, the best way, God's way of salvation, I guess that means I'm against other religions. But it's not that I'm against. That's not my primary thing. It's because I'm for Jesus. So, you can't help but speak the truth and sound in the process, even though you're for something, positive about something, you're going to sound negative. Imagine going to your doctor. I've got several doctors here today. And you're getting the results of your tests. And you say to the doctor, if it's cancer, I don't want to know. And the doctor says, well, let's just end the appointment there, shall we? Just see the receptionist on the way out and call the next patient in. Thank you, I'll do just that. Would that be a good doctor's appointment? If you knew that your doctor knew the true condition of your physical body 
from the tests that you had just submitted yourself to, would you want to know the results? Because knowing the results could give the treatment for preventing, stopping, averting the cancer that you may have. And wouldn't you want to know that? Some people say, don't tell people that God's a God of wrath and holiness and he means business. Don't tell them that. That's so negative. Just tell them that God loves them and, and that his love is unconditional. And no matter what they do, he will love them. Well, I'd probably love to tell you that, but that's not what the scripture says. The scripture says, yes, God loves. But God also has expectations for us. So, what do they do to Jeremiah? Especially when he says, I've only been doing them good. I've been pleading with them to turn away. And, and for you, God, he says the last part of verse 20, for you to turn your wrath away from them. So even though I've done that, look how they repay me. And we, we see in verse 18, come, let us strike him with the tongue and let us not pay attention to any of his words. This is what happens when you take a stand for God. And didn't Jesus say this? They will persecute you. Jesus said that. They will say all manner of evil against you. Why? Simply because you love God. Simply because you want to live for God. Jesus said this is what will happen. God's servants are often subject to ridicule and dismissal. Who loves that? Who loves being ridiculed and dismissed and, and ignored and treated with utter contempt? I don't think so. No one does. And Jeremiah certainly wasn't having a party at this time. This was hard. It was hard. So here's how Jeremiah responds. And as one commentator pointed out, how Jeremiah responds does not authorise us to respond in the same way. Although I'm sure, in fact convinced, there are many here who would like to respond in the same way because it talks about delivering their children up to famine, giving their relatives over to the sword, let their wives become childless and widows, may their men meet death by pestilence. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> and uh, their youth be struck down by the sword in battle, it says in verse 21. Now this is what we call an imprecatory prayer. It's a prayer summoning for God to do harm. I mentioned when we introduced the concept of what an imprecatory prayer is, particularly through the Psalms, you'll see it through the Psalms, and that's this, that, that just because it's there doesn't mean that God authorised it. Scripture records certain things that God doesn't endorse. For example, the fall of man, when Adam and Eve sinned. God, it's recorded accurately, but God didn't endorse it. Here's Jeremiah praying from his heart in deep anger, and we'll see why in a moment. And God's not endorsing it, not at all. So how do God's servants respond to ridicule and dismissal? Can you think of an occasion when the disciples, the followers of Jesus, wanted to do what Jeremiah is doing now? Remember how 
Jesus went to a town with his disciples. He preached there and the whole town rejected Jesus. And they're coming out of the town and two of his disciples, James and John, said, do you want us to call down fire and destroy that town? Maybe throw in a bit of pestilence, a bit of sword, a bit of famine, the fleas of a thousand camels infesting armpits, you know, that kind of thing, Lord. Remember what Jesus said? He said, James and John, you really are sons of thunder. And he called them, you guys are sons of Banerge, Banerge, sons of thunder. You don't get me, do you? Now, you could imagine these guys have already said, because Jesus asked, who do men say that I am? And they said, well, most people reckon you're Jeremiah. You're just like Jeremiah. So you could think that when these guys said, shall we call down fire from heaven and smite them imprecatorily? (laughs) Jesus, supposedly like Jeremiah, was supposed to have gone, yea, verily, go for it. (laughs) But he didn't. He said, you guys, you sons of thunder, you don't get me. I am of a different spirit. You do not know the manner and the spirit that I have. So what you're about to read here in the last part of Jeremiah 18, and you go, wow, does God still do this today? I hope you're going to realize, thank God he sent Jesus. (laughs) Jesus doesn't pray like Jeremiah. Jesus is on a cross six-inch nails through both wrists and through his ankles, men mocking him, spitting at him, beating him, his face pulped, not much flesh left on it, chunks of beard pulled from it, crown of thorns touching the skull through the skin, beaten, distorted, dehydrated, about to have a spear shoved up through his ribcage and into his heart. And he looks at these people and his eyes go to heaven. And you know the prayer? Father, come on, forgive them. The next time someone cuts you off in traffic, hang on, don't rush ahead, please. (laughs) The next time someone does something to you and you feel justified, to be a little bit Jeremiah-like. Remember, Jesus, we don't respond like Jeremiah when people say all manner of things against us. I, I, I think I've shared the story that when I was a youth pastor and I'd come into a church where the senior pastor had been removed, he actually stole a whole bunch of our Um, literature and just put stickers over it for the new church he was starting just down the end of the road deliberately trying to to destroy the church that he once pastored and I was the youth leader in and I was so angry when I saw this, angry and because they were at the local shopping centre handing out invitations to come to their church it was our advertising material with his sticker over it, the blighter I I was imprecatorial I tell you, I was fuming and I went to Bob Smith who was the, the newly appointed the AOG executive asked Bob to come in and 
there was Bob there and and I tell you what, what a wise guy. I said to Bob, look at this. Bob just says, oh, look at that. Gives it back to me and he says this. If you see them again, ask them if they'd like some more because we'd love to bless them. We'd love to what? <laughs> we'd love to bless them. Let's see if we can help them in any way we can. What? <laughs> like, not registering here until I remembered this was the first time I had encountered, I'm not kidding, I'm 20 something years of age and it's the first time I had encountered somebody who took seriously what Jesus said about how you respond when people treat you badly and I, it, it could have knocked me over it, it went click in me and I realised that for 25, 26 years I had believed like a Christian and behaved like a pagan. Because of what Christ has done in our hearts, when people ridicule us, speak all manner of evil against us, we bless them. Heard of a, a man who had someone steal $10,000 from him and he went to God with an imprecatory spirit asking God to deal justly with this man that had stolen the money. And God said to him, you have every right to feel that way and you can demand it back. But why don't you give that money to the man? Here's this guy angry and, and he feels the Holy Spirit saying, why don't you, instead of regarding that money as stolen, why don't you regard that money as a gift? Didn't Jesus say something about that as well? When someone comes and takes your cloak, give them your shirt as well. And he was reading through scripture and he saw in the Old Testament that it says, if a thief is caught stealing, he shall repay seven times. Then he read in the New Testament that some will give and as they give, they shall receive back 100 times over. Spirit of the imprecatorial old covenant, spirit of the new covenant of grace. Which will it be? At that point, he said, I let it go. He wrote to the person and said, don't worry about it. We're friends. I give you this money. Hmm. Some time ago, I preached overseas, paid my own airfare to get over there, and you kind of hope that maybe you might get a few preaching invitations that kind of help you to break even. That's about as good as it gets. And in America, they love checks. So everywhere I'm preaching, and I preached in uh, Virginia and Washington and Maryland and and uh, I was all over there in California and people giving me checks and, and very difficult to cash a check without a bank account. So I gave them to somebody who uh, said, that's okay, I'll cash them for you. Sign them over to me, I'll cash them for you. Several thousand dollars. So I did. They took me to the airport and they said, oh, I forgot to give you, the, I forgot the cash. That's right, I'll wire it to you. Six months go by and I'm back in Australia. Guess what I'm thinking about? The fact that it was a pastor that did it to me. 
I'm stewing on this. I'm not in a position where I can easily rack thousands of dollars up on my credit card and don't worry about it. <laughs> Wish I was, but I'm, I'm like you. So I am stewing over this. And it came to the point when I had to realise and had to make a decision. Am I going to live under Old Testament imprecatory spirit or am I going to come into a New Testament spirit of generosity? And from that point, I said, I don't want to live Old Testament, Old Covenant imprecatory spirit. God... I let this go, I forgive this person, I, I don't expect to see a cent, I give it to them as a gift. Within a day of doing that, and by the way, I wrote to the person because they hadn't communicated with me, as you might imagine. And I wrote to them and I said, I just want you to know I'm your friend. You owe me nothing we've been talking since then as an aside issue about two days after I did that and if I'd thought about it I would have held it up I received a letter from another church they said we would like to invite you over to come and be our convention speaker and we want to fly your wife over as well. And we'd like to pay for Ruby to come as well. And I thought, well, all right then. <laughs> they flew us over. They blessed us. And I haven't done the math, but I'll tell you now, it was much more than what I had just two days before given I as a gift. When Christ has done something in your hearts, you pray blessing. But, you know, why was Jeremiah about to pray this? And you could see, you know, we come down to verse 23. Yet you, O Lord, know all their plotting to kill me. Forgive not their iniquity, nor blot out their sin from your sight. Let them be overthrown before you. Deal with them in the time of your anger. Why is he feeling like that? Why? Because when you are ridiculed and rejected by, he calls these people his closest friends. His closest friends. When you, when you feel like that, it's the feeling of rejection. And, and I'm not going to ask you whether the re rejection is the most painful emotion you can feel. I'm just going to suggest it is. Rejection is the most hurtful emotion you can feel. And when you are deeply hurt, you will be in a bad place. Bad place. And Jeremiah was in a bad place. Now, I want you to recognise this is Old Covenant. This is not how we deal with people who ridicule us, persecute us, cut us off in traffic to it or whatever. We don't pray Old Testament and precatory prayers. This is what Jesus said. Luke 6.28 Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. It'll do you good to pray for those who hurt and abuse you to be blessed. 
First Peter 2.23, just got a couple of scriptures, then we're done. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. Who's that speaking of? Jesus. This is the spirit of Christ. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. First Peter 3.9, do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. On the contrary, bless. For to this you are called that you may obtain a blessing. Wow. Here's Jeremiah's got a problem with these people. These people were the religious elite, the priests, the spiritual counsellors, the prophets. And it just goes to show that right standing with God is not about merely being religious. Some people think if you're just religious or just spiritual, that's all God needs. That's all God requires. That is not true. It's not true. You know, you can be spiritually wrong. You can be prophetically false. You can be a priest in the service of the wrong God. And that's what these people were. And if your understanding of what it is to be a Christian is simply... I'm just going to act like one, pretend like one, when you're actually not, then you don't get it. And it's possible, even though God is a God of immeasurable love, it's possible for you to harbour in your heart a clenched fist that says to God, don't you tell me what to do, not your will be done in my life, but my will be done in my life. And on the day you stand before God, when you leave this life and go into the next, God will say, okay then, your will be done. You do not want to submit to me for eternity, you will not submit to me for eternity. Be gone. Has God done anything unfair to that person when he does that? I don't think so. And I know that there are some people that see God do what God does and they they do, they shake a fist. I don't. I, I go, God, I trust you. I know that you only do what is good. And if you want to get to know that God, you're one prayer away from him right now. One prayer away. And maybe you've done something that you need to be forgiven for. Maybe you're here today and you're thinking, I'm not worthy of God's forgiveness. Well, you're not. That's why Jesus took your punishment on himself and paid the price. Let's pray. Father, I pray for everyone here right now that they might experience a fresh understanding of your love, a fresh understanding of your forgiveness, a fresh understanding of what it means to live a grace-empowered life. You're just, you are one prayer away from being in right standing with God, having your sins forgiven. One prayer away. A prayer that says, Oh God, please forgive me of my sin. Come and live in my heart and help me to live for you. I pray. Amen. Bless those who come against you. It's a big call, but it's what Jesus calls us to do. More from Dr. Corbett next week. 
podcasts and Finding Truth Matters resources, including tonight's program, The Plot Against Jeremiah, are available via the website findingtruthmatters.org or by contacting us at Lagana Media, P.O. Box 1143, Lagana, Tasmania 7277. Dr. Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to joining you again at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.